Welcome to What's So Funny, a comedy podcast where we talk about some of the most influential and controversial comedy albums from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. Here's your host, Dave Schwenson. Hi, I'm your host, Dave Schwenson. Today I'm joined by Kelly Thulis. Kelly. Hi, Dave. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, I've been uh, performing comedy for about six years now. Oh my gosh, you're a veteran. Yeah, well, I started out in Los Angeles and then moved back to Ohio, which is not the way most people do it. Especially not in the wintertime. No, yeah, definitely not. What was I thinking? I moved back in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've just been uh, performing around here. I've been doing all sorts of really fun things, including this podcast. And yeah, how are you doing? What have you been up to? Oh, what have I been up to? Well, first of all, I'm doing my workshops. You know, I do comedy workshops mainly in Cleveland and Chicago. But I'm real pleased to say my latest book recently came out called How to Be a Working Corporate Comedian. Oh, nice. That's perfect because people don't realize there's different... Markets out there. Different markets, different. A corporate comedian is not the same as a club comedian and vice versa. So that's great. So it's something I've been working on uh, for years, actually, this book and getting the experience. So I'm real pleased about that. But you know what else I'm real pleased about? What's that? Today's show. Yes. Because this guy is one of my favorites. He's a wild and crazy guy is what he says. Yeah? You want to go ahead and introduce him? (laughs) Sure. Today we're going to be talking about Steve Martin. Steve uh, Martin. Oh, he's just one of my favorites. And we're going to be specifically looking at his album, Wild and Crazy Guy from 1978. But I am into the intellectual thing. I went to college. I studied the great philosophers, uh, Socrates. Uh, (laughs) I studied Plato. And... uh, you know, you learn the important things. Like, if you're studying geology, which is all facts, as soon as you get out of school, you forget it all, you know? Because it's just numbers and things. But philosophy, you remember just enough to screw you up for the rest of your life. You know? <laughs> and you studied the important, like, ethical questions. Is it okay to yell movie in a crowded firehouse? <laughs> um, religious questions. Does the Pope shit in the woods? <laughs> and- Keep waiting sometime, you know. If there is a God, give me a sign. (laughs) See, I told you that the. Wouldn't it be weird if you died and you woke up and you were in heaven? Just like they always told you. And everybody had wings on and pearly gates. Wouldn't you feel stupid? (laughs) Oh, no. You mean that this is what? Oh. In college, they said this was all bullshit. I love it. That was just like such a big hit album. I mean, uh, Steve Martin. I don't know if some of our listeners understand, the younger ones, that how big he really was. I I don't think so, because he's had such a long career. But yeah, he has... I mean, at this time, when this album came out, it was huge. It was his fourth comedy album released. Mm -hmm. It went platinum. Yeah, it was a big seller. And the other thing, I mean, today, geez, for the last 30 years, maybe however long, he's just been a movie star and a musician. Yes. Touring with that. But he was a stand-up comedian And he gave it up. He just quit doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, he did. Right at his high point, really, when he couldn't get any famous, that's when he stopped and moved on. But Steve started out as a writer. A lot of people don't realize how he actually started out working at Disneyland. 
That's right, he did. Actually, you were just showing me an old clip of him Can you believe that? I can't, actually. It's just, I mean, that's crazy. They found an old clip of Steve Martin from 1956 Mm-hmm. Walking around Walking Disneyland around Disneyland. like he's juggling. juggling. Yeah, yes. he's like juggling in his hat. I mean, in his book, he, he accredits his time at Disneyland for where he kind of learned his comedy style. He learned to juggle there. He learned tricks. He learned to work with people, you know, interact with the audience like he does in his shows. Yeah. He, um, you know, worked in the magic shops. He was, he was very interested in magic as a kid. He got, for Christmas, he got a magic set from his parents, you know, learn how to do magic tricks. But like a lot of the comedians, when they start out, they pretty much copy someone else. Right. They, they hear other lines, and they kind of take those as their own, and eventually they learn how to write their own material. But that's how Steve Martin started, demonstrating tricks in the magic store at Disneyland and uh, just really copying the bits the other magicians were doing. Yeah, and it, it, you can see that influence in his act, even even in here, where it's he's far removed from his days of Disneyland and, and Wild and Crazy Guy. It's still you can see his influence of the Magic Shop. Well, the funny thing album. too is even when he got to be a movie star in that movie Three Amigos. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, his he, lassoing his lasso trick. That's what he was doing at Disneyland. <laughs> well, listen, I'll tell you what. Maybe we should get into a play a little clip here from Wild and Crazy Guy to set our mood for being a little bit wild today because it's Steve Martin. Let's have a listen. College, you feel so small, you know? You go to college, you study about guys like Leonardo, who did everything. A scientist, a, a, paint, a, great, a great painter, a great architect and designer. And you feel like an idiot. And I wanted to, you know, expand my life in the way that Leonardo did. And that's why I took up juggling. Um, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Steve, where do you find time to juggle? <laughs> well, I juggle in my mind. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but people look at guys like, like the Mona Lisa. <laughs> oh, Leonardo's Mona Lisa. And they think, oh, that's not so great. But not a lot of people know this. The Mona Lisa was painted with one stroke. <laughs> How's this? Okay, I'm sorry. All right, okay, okay. <sighs> Excuse me, I just went to the Bahamas for a second. All right. Oh, that was Steve Martin from Wild and Crazy Guy talking about philosophy, religion, college, and language. That was pretty funny, Kelly, wasn't it? Very funny, very funny. And the thing about Steve Martin is, you know, all that stuff is based in truth because he really did study philosophy in college. I mean, I believe it. You'd have to in order to come up with that. I guess so. (laughs) And then he was also a juggler at Disneyland. He really took things that um, was going on in his real life, like good comedians do, and he Mm -hmm. talked about it. And made it funny. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting, too, him bringing up Leonardo da Vinci in there because, you know, Leonardo da Vinci mastering so many things. He did that. He was Martin did that. He had so many different traits like juggling and, mm-hmm. and things like that. It's, it's just fascinating. Well, he's also known for his art collection. Steve Martin is an art collector. And, Actually, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it goes into all the art museums. He's a big fan of everything. 
He's got an illustration out there that he's made where it's his brain sectioned up in different places and <laughs> with all the things that he's into, including juggling, which is hilarious. That he Well, that's funny when he, he did that, though. And when he first started, he went out to do comedy. He was still doing a magic act, but he realized he had to start adding comedy and adding comedy to it, make it funnier so people would listen. It must have worked for him because he started his career really in show business, professional show business as a writer. What's interesting, too, with him being such a strong writer is that he denies the punchline. People know he was working, writing for the Smothers Brothers television show, which is a very popular, very political, very uh, controversial variety show in uh, the late 1960s. Steve Martin was invited to send over some material to, they were looking for younger writers. They'd had older writers in the beginning. They wanted to bring in some younger ones. So Steve Martin was, I think, in his early 20s at that time. So it was really the, uh, the hippie error, all that going on. And he sent over his writing samples. And uh, again, I don't think people know this. They didn't accept him right away. No. He didn't pass. It's wild to think now that somebody wouldn't accept Steve Martin. Yeah. But the producer said, no, they didn't want him. So Mason Williams, he was the head writer, and he wound up hiring Steve Martin and paying him out of his own pocket. Oh, my gosh. This Mother's wow. Brothers show didn't pay him in the beginning. But then he earned <laughs> he his keep. He was that bad. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't know if he was that bad, but he just uh, wasn't ready. But yeah, he went on writing more and um, started doing comedy shows in his spare time, showing up for the open mics. You know, he wasn't getting paid. Doing the work. Yeah, he was doing, doing the, the work, work and uh, playing his banjo. Uh, that was his uh, rock and roll instrument, I guess. There's pictures of Steve Martin out there with a beard, and he's got dark hair and long hair, and he's wearing turquoise jewelry, and yeah. he's got a banjo. Looks like a rock star, Keith Richards with a banjo. Well, he mentions that in his book where in the beginning he was sort of following what other popular comedians were doing at the time, which was that sort of rock star look. Mm-hmm. And then when that wasn't working for him, he realized he was sort of mocking the style of comedy altogether. And yeah. So he sort of cleaned up and went to that the Johnny Carson late night show classic comedian look. Yeah. Well, because— that wasn't popular. That wasn't popular. That, that wasn't the, popular. The, the avant-garde and the hippies and the yeah. Woodstock generation, of course, like George Carlin grew a beard, oh, yeah. grew his hair, and a lot of the comics were doing that, and Steve Martin was part of that, and he realized he had to look different. So he bought he bought a suit. He cut all his hair off, he shaved, uh-huh. and he bought a suit, not just a suit, a three-piece suit. Now, you know the why he got the white suit, don't no, you? No, why? Because he was wearing a dark suit like everyone else in the beginning, but when he started playing the bigger clubs, he realized people couldn't see him as well. Oh, wow. So he started wearing a white suit because he was doing a lot of physical comedy. See, that's the other thing with Steve Martin on his albums. You miss part of the joke because you don't get to see him. It's uh, the physical stuff. But at the same time, it's like you listen to his albums and you can hear the audience laughing because you know he's doing something. Yeah, he's doing some sort of music. you just imagine that. I mean, when he missed that juggle, you know, the imaginary juggling ball, you can tell he's going, whoa, and moving his (laughs) whole body just like I did that the listeners can't see. (laughs) All right, well, you know what? We're going to continue. I want to hear something else from Steve Martin from this album, Wild and Crazy Guy, which is one of my favorite comedy albums. By the way, uh, it's a new law now. I have to do this. I don't like to, but it is uh, by law. All comedians must make a financial disclosure uh, during the show or at some point. So I have to do this. Uh, Comedians' financial disclosure in accordance with the unilateral code established uh, by Stephen Martin on this day. This disclosure is presented. Okay, a lot of percentages, manager and agent, 30 to 35%, road expenses, usually 10 to 20%, uh, development of new material, uh, 0.000001%, and I've written that all up in a little pie graph here. Then over here I have a rubber chicken graph. 
Then I figured out uh, a potential concert income. If you fill a 3,000-seat hall at $3 per ticket, the gross is uh, $9,000. Uh, if you fill a 3,000-seat hall at seven fifty per ticket, the gross is uh, $22,500. And just for fun, I figured out if you fill a 3,000-seat hall at $800 a ticket, <laughs> the gross is $2,400,000. And uh, this is what I'm shooting for. One show. Goodbye. <laughs> Steve Martin really did become a rock star of comedy. There's no denying it. I mean, uh, just those big, huge arenas he played. You can hear the cheering of the crowd. And this is back in the 70s, and he's getting that kind of rock and roll crowd. I mean, mm-hmm. really, huge the Red venues. Rocks Amphitheater, I mean, that's, that's big. That's what's interesting about this album, starting out in a smaller venue. They recorded this in the boarding house. You know, then he just exploded, and so they had this big show, and you can hear the crowd cheering. I mean, it's like the Rolling Stones are there or something. Huge concert performance. Well, his original act, when he was first started out, part of it, this was in his book, where he he said he used to like to bring the audience outside with him. Oh, yeah. He would just take the entire audience, and they'd, they'd like, give them a tour of the town, just walking them around. <laughs> and then as his audiences grew bigger and bigger, it became a safety hazard or whatever, and he stopped. Yeah, good thing he moved on beyond that. He can't take the entire amphitheater with him. Daring the audience to laugh at him or laugh with him. And he's saying things, and it's his confidence and his arrogance and everything else that he did on stage. He's not, you know, real life, he was pretty much of a shy person, I've heard. But, uh, yeah, taking everyone out of the theater with him. And the first time he did it, he says, okay, that's it, I'm done. And all <laughs> laughing at him because that's kind of stuff. He says, right. no, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Stop laughing. And he's walking out the aisle and everybody's still laughing. And he goes, well, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And he walks out and they followed him outside. He was thinking, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> so he took him outside and he gave him a, like a tour of the town. He took him all over to a Dairy Queen. Actually, I think he took him to a hamburger place and went and ordered 300 hamburgers. And he said, oh, wait, on second, second thought, just give me a little small French fries. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's keep going with the Steve Martin because I'm going to hear the next clip he has. You naive Americans. You Americans are so naive. You have so many naive and simple ways. Well, like when you break up with a girl. It's a big deal. But where I'm from, we have a very simple and mature way of doing it. <laughs> you just walk up to the girl and you say, I break with thee, I break with thee, I break with thee. And then you throw dog poop on her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> then my brother and I, we go to the crazy swinging singles bar. And we look for the girls with the dog poop on their shoes. <laughs> oh, gosh. I noticed you have a little dog poop on your shoes. You know, many people come to me and they say, Hey, what kind of girl is it you want to meet? Well, I just want to meet a girl with a head on her shoulders. I hate necks. You really have to be amazingly clever to be that stupid in his act, in that writing. That's very true. That's very insightful that you just said that, yes. (laughs) 
he carries that all throughout his his career. Now, the great thing about Steve Martin, too, is because he did start out in the 60s. And the 60s are known as the wild and crazy time Anything, anyway. Things were changing. But the comedians all started to come up with messages at that time. The old guard from, like, the 30s, 40s, Jack Benny, those joke tellers, they were kind of on the way out. You had Lenny Bruce. You had Mort Saul. They were reading the newspapers. They were talking about things going on. And, and then eventually came George Carlin, Richard Pryor. Comedy, just like music at that time, seemed to have a message, a statement. Yeah, it was stirring up everything. And Steve Martin started in that vein. He was doing the same thing. He was writing for the Smothers Brothers. That was a big controversial television show. But then he changed. He went in another direction. And he did this purposely, making noises. He's being just silly. He's like a little kid. And, and the visuals and the props, everything he used on stage... Because he has such a, a childlike innocence when he's on stage and performing. Yeah, it's silly. You know, you listen to, again, Mort Saul. Listen to Lenny Bruce, mm-hmm. the stuff they were talking about in the 60s. And then, you know, less than 10 years later, you got Steve, Steve Martin, Martin making noises yeah. and goofing around on stage, playing a banjo and putting an arrow through his head and bunny ears and everything all else All sorts that of he props, yes. all these other props and movements that he had. It was it was so ridiculous that when you bought this album, which I actually I do have an out al- the album of it, it came with a, a photo of him in his suit with a fish sticking out, and it says "Best Fishes, Steve Martin." <laughs> I, I saw that when I was a kid, and I thought I was like, "That's comedy gold, yes. right there." I signed all my yearbooks that year in middle school with it, which it didn't make any sense because I had no fish <laughs> like Steve Martin had in the photo. But I just thought that that was the funniest thing, his his use of just ridiculousness. Yeah, because it, it was so silly. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted to make a statement before, and he was making a statement of just being silly. And he carried that into his first feature film, by the way, The Jerk. Oh, which yeah. Which I think it, is a comedy classic. Absolutely, and it really doesn't get any sillier than that. No, no. I mean, you go back to Laurel and Hardy and these other crazy yeah. comedians, and Steve Martin is right there, sight gags. Just slapstick all over the place. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's keep going with the Steve Martin. All right, let's go into our next clip here. It's called Cat Handcuffs. It's against Steve Martin from Wild and Crazy Guy. How many people have cats? Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, ten. Now, let me ask you this. Do you trust them? <laughs> because I've got to get a pair of cat handcuffs and i got to get them right away. Just the little ones that go around the little front paws. Or maybe the manacles of four that get all four paws. But what a drag. I found out my cat was embezzling from me. (laughs) You think you know a cat for ten years? He pulls something like this. Found out while I was away, he would go out to the mailbox, pick up the checks, take them down to the bank and cash them. Disguised as me. He had the little kitty arrow through the head. (laughs) And the little kitty bunny ears. And I wouldn't have caught him, but I went outside to his house where he sleeps. There was about $3,000 worth of cat toys out there. (laughs) And you can't return them because they have spit all over them. So now I'm stuck with $3,000 worth of cat toys. <laughs> oh, sure. They're fun. <laughs> Got the little rubber mouse, has a bell inside of it. <laughs> Boy, I hate it when it goes under the sofa. 
That was Steve Martin with cat handcuffs. <laughs> he was, uh, it's just ridiculous, and the audience is just screaming in laughter. It's so funny. Well, it is so ridiculous. And the other thing, too, about Steve Martin, he came up at the right time. We're talking about his career in the, in the early 70s. Right around the same time Saturday Night Live came on television on uh, NBC. There was no show like Saturday Night Live before. I remember reading somewhere that Steve Martin watched the premiere episode. He thought, oh, my gosh, they're, this is perfect for me. They're doing <laughs> what, like what I'm doing. It's kind of like mindless, goofy stuff. Steve Martin made so many appearances on Saturday Night Live that people actually thought that he was a cast member when he wasn't. And he's actually he's neck and neck with Alec Baldwin for who's hosted more. I remember a few years ago, um, I forget even which one was hosting, but they both appeared on stage fighting over who's going to host more, <laughs> Alec Baldwin or Steve Martin. Yeah, it really, uh, it's true. I mean, when they first started watching Saturday Night Live, it seemed like Steve Martin was always on it. Yeah, well, back in that time when Saturday Night Live, it was, like you said, it was his humor. It was such silly ridiculousness. It wasn't very politically pointed at all. I remember the act with him and Gilda Radner where they just randomly start dancing. They yes. do this beautiful, like, yes. beautiful classic dance, and then they break out in just random movements, and then they go back into it. And, I mean, just ridiculous humor. Yeah, that would have been a great one. I think it's important to note, too, uh, in this clip, Cat Handcuffs, I don't think, we're listening to the album, I don't think there was actual cats on stage, but he has actually performed in front of animals before. Yes. He did it on the Johnny Carson show. He brought out an audience of dogs. Yes. And performed for the dogs. And the other thing, we talk about the late night television at that time, Steve Martin appeared on The Tonight Show. The first time Johnny Carson, you know, was still the host. Johnny Carson was the one known for making comedians. If Johnny Carson invited a comedian over to sit on the couch next to the desk, it pretty much made that comedian's career. And Steve Martin came out, but Johnny Carson didn't get him. Mm -mm. Johnny didn't get this new style of comedy. So Steve was still invited back to do the show, but only on the nights when there was a guest host. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that with the only guest host. Steve Martin actually wanted to be in a guest host for The Tonight Show a few times. Oh, that had to been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I got to look up some clips of that. <laughs> finally, the producers went over to Johnny Carson and said, you know, this kid, this Steve Martin, is actually getting to be very funny, a big fan base. You should bring him back on when you're the host. So they did. Yeah, he was confusing to a lot of people who were that professional style, like critics in general, comedian critics. They were very confused by him. In fact, at one point, he went on stage and just read reviews of him with bananas. You know, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a famous story, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you'll never remember who this comedian is. So you see, read the review saying, you know, this guy's no good. He's not funny. You never remember who he was. And while he was doing that, he smashed a banana on his head. He had two bananas <laughs> in his hands. He did all this. He says, and there you go. Thank you very much. And, of course, everybody remembered him after right, that. Of course. Remember him and that specific act. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Martin was a very creative guy, of course. I mean, he's written movies. He's written books. You know, he does all these things. But he got so big, he did not have a chance to create new material anymore. If all these people, we're talking 40, 50,000 people at a comedy concert, and they want to hear Steve Martin, wild and crazy guy. Yeah, they want to hear those bits. They want to hear that again. And he couldn't go out and do new material. See, even I know from, from working with George Carlin in the past, some of these very famous comedians, they could still duck into these small comedy clubs in New York and Los Angeles, work on new material. Steve Martin was booked years in advance. He was so popular. He was just on the road. It was really the life of a rock star. And he'd walk on stage, and he had to give that audience what they paid for. Right, which is what, yeah. Yeah, which he, is what they did, want to hear, the hits. 
the other thing, too, when you live that sort of rock and roll lifestyle, whatever, he talked about being very lonely. Yes, yes, he did. I, I mean, they say that a lot, the comedians on the road, it's lonely, but I can imagine it would be extra, extra lonely for someone who's at that level. It's not an easy life. And, you know, as a touring performer, touring entertainer, comedians, yeah, it's a lot of hotel rooms, a lot of fast food, and, um, you know. Right. I mean, with someone at that level, I mean, Steve couldn't even walk on the street without being mobbed and recognized. And, you know, so there wasn't, he'd go in town to town and basically, you know, living inside that one hotel room to the stage, to the hotel room to the stage, never getting fresh air or anything because he's so isolated. And even if he did get out, he enjoys going to art museums. But he said he would get there to look at something, and then he'd have to duck around the corner real quick before they realized who he was. And then they always want him to be Steve Martin. The other thing, too, when he played, we listened to a clip. Uh, these, this album was recorded at that uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater outside of Denver, Colorado, which is, you know, thousands of people. And he would finish a show like that, and security had to get him out because he'd be mobbed. Again, like a rock star. They throw him in a car. They, <laughs> they run him back to the hotel. Wow. They get him up in his room. They close the door. And there he was after 30,000, 40,000 people screaming his name, wanting to be near Steve Martin. He was sitting in his hotel room All by himself alone. within like within half an hour. Yeah. sitting there by himself, TV, and like, you know, how do you come down from something like that? Yeah. How can you just relax? I mean, it's just a, it was no way to live. And that's why he, I'm pretty sure that's why he stopped doing stand-up comedy completely in 1981. He just stopped. Which is a shame. I would have loved to have seen him do more. But luckily for us, he went on to go to continue writing movies and, like we said, yes. movies, plays, music. He's done so much since then. Yeah. He really is entertainer plus, if you entertainer want to call it Entertainer renaissance, <laughs> man, if we're going back to the Da Vinci. Yeah, he's, he's really got everything. All right, well, Steve Martin is still uh, is back on the road with yes, his good friend is. Martin Short. Which is good. It's interesting. He, he gave it up because it was so lonely, and he came back with a friend. Well, he came back as a musician. He's very dedicated to his banjo yes. playing and has released albums and has done music concerts. And uh, now the two of them go out, and it's very um, improvisational. They have fun together, and I've heard that he enjoys this very much. It's not as much pressure as playing in big stadiums anymore. Right. Yeah, I, I saw him perform live with the Steep Canyon Rangers. Yeah. It wasn't a comedy show. It was him specifically playing the banjo, but it was still just hilarious because he can't help himself but be funny. <laughs> but I would love to see him with Martin Short. It says more improv- improvisational. Well, as you can tell, we're both big fans of Steve Martin, and this has been a lot of fun today, listening to Wild and Crazy Guy, his uh, platinum-selling album from 1978, which is still a classic. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, be sure to check out our sister station at evergreenpodcasts.com. Kelly had a real good time. I had a great time too, Dave. I think we're going to surprise our audience here with one more clip. Yeah, I love this one too. Oh, I mean, it doesn't get more classic than this. This is King Tut. King Tut. We have to go out with a song. And this is a good one to do it This is the one to do it. All right. Well, I'm Dave Schwenson. I'm Kelly Thulis. Thank you for listening to What's So Funny. And until next time, keep laughing. Now when he was a young man He never thought he'd see People standing in line To see the boy king How'd you get so funky Did you do the monkey Moved to Babylonia.
me a museum Buried with a donkey to one of Lily Tomlin's many characters. A special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer Sarah Wilgroup, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.